0: Bold and brave. I had to laugh that the third chapter of Ruth was given to the unmarried female pastor to preach on. Sure, I work with young people, but what am I supposed to do with a text that has racy bits and has a slightly risque encounter? Nothing stated, so much as implied. As Sarah Bixler said when she was preaching on Ruth 2, the author might be winking at us a little bit in the telling of this story. Or in Ruth 3, there may be so many winks that you sprain your eye. As the commentator, Reverend Dr. Alphanetta Weens puts it, it is impossible to overlook the sexual uh, overtones in this book, just as with the Song of Songs, another biblical book in which a woman speaks and God does not. The church has long been embarrassed by the sexual innuendo concerning Ruth and Boaz on the threshing floor," end quote. So thanks for the chance to preach on this text. It might be all about how you tell this story. Is Ruth being a brave hero here trying to save herself? Or is she a temptress seducing Boaz? When I was studying biblical storytelling, we talked a lot about the power that you have in the way that you tell the story. Take the story of David and Bathsheba. Second Samuel eleven four. So David sent a messenger to get Bathsheba and she came to him and he lay with her and she returned to her house or 2nd Samuel 11:4 so David sent a messenger to get Bathsheba and she came to him and he lay with her And then she returned to her home. It's all about how you tell the story. Ruth and Naomi's story is an example of the resourcefulness of women, despite the patriarchal system that intentionally works against them. This chapter opens with Naomi saying she is seeking security for Ruth, and she has a plan that has been brewing as Ruth has been gathering grain in Boaz's fields. Naomi lays out her plan, asking or telling Ruth to put herself in a very vulnerable position. And like Queen Esther, who prepares her body to risk her life for her people, Ruth washes and prepares herself to approach the threshing floor. Ruth does just as her mother instructs her, until she doesn't. Naomi had said to wait until Boaz had eaten and drunk something and had laid down to rest. Then Naomi instructs her to uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do, insert knowing laughter here. But Ruth doesn't wait for Boaz to act or to tell her what to do. She takes the initiative beyond Naomi's instructions and asks for what she needs. When Boaz wakes up in surprise to discover a woman lying beside him, it is she who tells him what to do. To spread one's cloak over a woman was to marry her. Ruth, in other words, proposes to Boaz. Virginia Wiles puts it in this way. In the barley field, Boaz had piously pronounced a blessing upon Ruth, for she had taken refuge under the wings of God. And now Ruth dares to command, spread your cloak Same word as wings over me. Ruth has called Boaz himself to fulfill his own pious prayer of protection that God spread his cloak over Ruth. And now Ruth calls Boaz to take the necessary action. End quote. It was a risky and unconventional act. Ruth dares to ask and almost demand something of Boaz. The choice for Boaz, after a night together on the threshing floor, were either to shame Ruth or to marry her. And for Ruth, her sexual purity was one of the few currencies of power available to her in that society. Ruth is not a passive participant here. In earlier chapters things were happening to her, but in chapter three Ruth is acting out of some of her own agency. She is not just letting things unfold She is stepping out, going towards, and asking in bold terms for what she needs. Was she placed in a terrible situation by life circumstances and cultural confines? Yes, totally. But Ruth risks her body and integrity to make life better for herself and her mother-in-law. And one might ask, is Naomi looking out for Ruth's future or her own? Maybe it's both. Once Ruth sneaks off the threshing floor in the morning, still under the cover of darkness, and returns to her mother-in-law, it is interesting to notice what they talk about. Naomi asks, how did it go? And Ruth tells her about the barley? No scandalous details that might have been included in the night, or at least that is skimmed over by the author. Ruth says, He gave me barley so that I wouldn't come back to you empty-handed. For me, there are two possible reasons for this out of what could be many. Was this really about survival for Ruth? The risky action she had taken so that she could survive literally trying to get enough food and shelter. Was the barley what was truly important? And I wonder what women all around the world have to do to make ends meet for themselves and for their families. What does it take to get the basics of food, shelter, And safety. Or does it go back to Ruth's relationship with Naomi? Was Ruth holding on to the little dignity that she had left after just prostrating herself in front of a man on the floor of a barn? holding on to what little autonomy she had to be able to tell her story the way she wanted, only revealing the bits of the story that she chose. Does Ruth talk about the barley Boaz gave her because that was what was important to her or because she wanted to maintain a shred of decency or power over her privacy and sexual expression. While Ruth was acting, acting out of a need to care for herself and her mother-in-law, she was also trying to hold on to her dignity, claiming her worth as more than a sexual object to be pawned off for food and protection and Boaz does act to protect her. He does not shame her or cast Ruth aside, but he does work to follow the law and also to extend protection and share his life with this outsider, this Moabite woman. After reading this story, I ask myself the questions that I normally ask when I study the biblical text. What do we learn about who God is? What do we learn about people? And what do we take away? God does not appear in this story. God does not speak from a burning bush, nor does God divide the sea. Instead, God acts through circumstances and through faithfulness of ordinary human beings. God's hesed or loving kindness, is embodied through human action. There is in the book of Ruth no miraculous event, no mighty hand of God, no intrusion from heaven. All the acts of kindness in this book are human acts, suggesting that through human kindness, God's salvation will be accomplished. Professor in Old Testament, Cameron B.R. Howard, suggests that God intersects with the characters in the book of Ruth the way many of us experience God today not as a divine physical presence, not as a booming voice from heaven, not as a visible mover of events, but as one whom we attribute some amount of agency in our own circumstances as well as those of the world at large. In this way, the book can feel more accessible than other parts of Scripture, where God is portrayed as speaking directly to the prophets, kings, and heroes. End quote. How do we tell our own stories and the stories of others? Do we see how God might be showing up Or are we looking for more flashing lights and booming voices? Do we see God entering into the risky, daring spaces with us? Not micromanaging our path, but emboldening our steps. Giving us creativity to act for the good of ourselves and others. Is our loving-kindness bold and brave, not just following the shoulds or roles or the social norms that culture projects onto us? Can we follow in Ruth's footsteps to go to the unexpected places and dare to ask for what we need while holding our own dignity and self-worth. Can we consider how we might be like Boaz, not just following the letter of the law in what we should do, but going over and above to include and protect the vulnerable, standing up for their dignity and worth in the face of a system that oppresses and undermines them. This is where I see the invitation in Ruth. Are we meeting with God's hesed, giving oneself fully with love and compassion? May God help us to be people who are bold, and brave in our loving kindness with each other. It's not printed in your bulletin, but I invite you to join with me as we take a moment to pause and reflect. Join me in this response, our confession. For failing to love others As you have loved us, God of grace, forgive us. For wasting your gifts and hoarding our goods, God of grace, forgive us. For plundering the earth and abusing the planet, God of grace, forgive us. For fearing those who are strange to us and ignoring those in need, God of grace, forgive us. forgive us. For losing heart and abandoning hope, God of grace, forgive us. For all the ways we turn from you, God of grace, forgive us. We offer our prayers in the name of the one who saves us, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.